0: This episode and to our very first podcast. Um, I'm Flourish, one of the co hosts, and I'm super excited to be starting this podcast with Louisa. Louisa, um, introduce Glad
1: yourself. Hello, hello, everyone. My name's Louisa. I'm kidding. Let me start again.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast.
0: <laughs> um we are excited. We are very happy to be starting this podcast. Um we've been thinking about this for a minute now. Um and our chats have been getting longer and the topics even more um interesting. So yeah, welcome to the first episode. We hope you guys enjoy it and that you guys will uh continue on this young journey um with us so firstly just to start off louisa i feel like we should let them know how mm-hmm. we met and let them know you know how this little podcast came along
1: no actually you know what, the story of how we made i'm going to explain it right because i need to say my side of the story first <laughs> before the girl <school laughs> tells me something else so basically right in grade 10 we went to the same high school so in grade 10 we were in the same class, so I had heard about Flash before. I had I knew who she was, um, because people in our grade had spoken about her, but I'd never met her. I hadn't, you know, I didn't know her. So in our class, like I saw her, I was like, okay, that's cool. She's in my mm. class. Didn't think anything of it, you know. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, in class, like we weren't, we didn't talk or anything like that. So yeah. I- later, right, after this is when we had become friends, I had learned that she found me very annoying in class. And you know what, ne, I'm not even going to lie, that hurt my feelings a little bit. I can't even lie. <laughs> because she, she said that apparently I asked too many questions. Listen, listen to me now. I feel like in science, there's no such thing as too many questions, first of all. <laughs> Second, <laughs> I feel No, actually I feel like you're lying But it's fine I feel, And also, I feel like I would ask the questions A lot of people in class wanted to know But just didn't want to ask So I feel like I wasn't Doing anything to anyone But this girl said she found me annoying And I'm not even going to yeah. lie And she also gave me the vibe That she thought that she was better than was People, just... you know what I'm saying I don't know oh, I got that vibe scary. one day no, let me tell you. Because there was one day where, like, you know when you see, like, you catch someone's eye, so you just smile. You don't know the person, but yeah. you just smile. The girl just turned. I said, oh, okay, well. <laughs> it's like, that's clearly, okay. and, and, <laughs> and so, basically, that's how we met. So, we were in the same science class, but we actually only became friends in matric. So, plus like, you tell yeah. them from there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's interesting you wanted to tell your part first, eh? Mm, very interesting. <laughs> no, but the thing is, the thing is, yeah, like, Louisa used to ask, like, a lot of questions in class. And I think it's just because, like, we were polar opposites with regards to that, because I don't ask questions in class. um, Like, I just, I, I don't. Um, and I've always been that person. But she would always, like, ask all the questions. And I don't know, I don't know why it annoyed me <laughs> a little bit. It's not like I was annoyed by your presence, Louisa. just that that little thing. But anyway, um we then became friends in um Matric and then we went to the same university and first year we were both in the same university and um Mm -hmm. basically I'd always go and visit Louisa at her res. I was there like every week. No, not every week, but like it felt like every week. I was always at Louisa's place. And so, because I was always there so often, also like so long, I'd only leave at like like, midnights or something like that, like closer to midnight. Yeah.
1: yeah I remember you'd, last... leave, you'd only leave at midnight because that was like the curfew for visitors. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Just. Oh, was but it like, was a vibe. Fresh yeah. year was a vibe.
0: Yo, it was a proper vibe. Oh, it was nice. And she introduced me to, you know, people. So, you know, that was nice as well. And. Um, it was from those visits that we just like spoke a lot and um, we'd speak about like topics that intrigued us you know stuff that like we think about on a daily and so uh, as our relationship our friendship grew yeah we just when we would have phone calls we'd still continue to have these long conversations and stuff and so I just I told Louisa that you know I think it would be quite nice if we put all these ideas into a podcast or just have like our conversation the normal conversation that we have but like just turn that into a podcast so people are essentially like listening in on our phone calls if you get so that is how we got to the space and we yeah we're quite excited to share our opinions and some of the stuff that we talk about with you guys yeah
1: indeed indeed now, oh, but um, surely, I'm sure there are some people who want to know why we decided to call it Let Me Tell You. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, because it is a bit of a, like, weird name. If you don't know us or know the way we speak. Um, Shame, we called, we decided to call it Let Me Tell You, because it's something that we typically use in our conversations, yeah. anyway. Usually we'll... Um, said like if we want to hear the other person's opinion on something that we've just heard or read or um just like a phrase that we typically use. So because these podcasts are supposed to be like our telephone conversations normally, mm-hmm. it made sense to call it how, you your know, phrase we always use in those conversations. Yeah. So I hope you guys understand I now. Bit, you
0: know <laughs> yeah. um Okay, so Lisa, what are we what is our
1: topic. Yes. What are we talking about? What is this discussion? So listen, actually, I'm very keen to hear your take on this. So basically, today, we're going to talk about like, do we as Africans lose our roots chasing the Western dream or Western mm. ideals? It's quite a bold statement, mm. but I'd really like to hear like how you feel about it and just tell us in general how, feel how you about...
0: feel. Yo, um I thi- Can you define what do you what do you see as what would you define as like the western like ideal what what dream are we speaking about here?
1: <laughs> to be honest, I think yeah. there are many, but I don't know the one that popped into mm-hmm. my mind was just probably like I suppose, success, but just very much, like, me and mine, mm. you know, like, like it's very much to, like, an ideal, that oh, kind okay. of thing. So, like, Western ideals in terms of, like, progressing in your life mm-hmm. like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's of,
0: yeah. Um, I think, definitely, as Africans, I'm, I'm just going to speak, though, about roots for now. I think when, when I think mm. about, like, losing our roots, I do as Africans we are um, to an extent shying away from our roots or from like our culture um, acceptance of like our languages and our music I think there is though like an African diaspora that's been going on for a few years now where like suddenly a lot of people are listening to like Afrobeats music for example um, or there's like this Mm. big like splurge of like African couture and stuff like that but in yeah. the household or in, like, people's, like, individual lives, I think I think there is definitely a sense of, like, trying to be more Western so you can um, adapt more into the world or, like, um, I don't know, like, be seen in a certain light by, like, Western people. So, like, adapting to their culture, adapting to the way they speak, adapting mm. to the way they interact with each other and stuff like that rather than our roots or our culture whether you are from south africa or uganda or angola whatever whatever your roots and your culture you know what whatever that signifies f- for you i think people are taking pieces of western culture and then using that in their own lives to like define how they live their lives do you get what i'm saying but i also think that that mm. extends into like you know how like a lot of africans tend to move overseas once they get their degrees and stuff. I think there's also just that mentality of Mm -hmm. everything is better outside of Africa. You know? And uh, how a lot of people grow up thinking that, you know, I must do the things real quick, get my degree and stuff so I can get out of Africa instead of improving my homeland, get out and try and get something better. Because there's an ideal that whatever's Western is better than
1: whatever's within Africa. Wow. I, I find that quite interesting because I don't really think about it like that, especially some of your points, but I do agree with you. I think, yeah, wow. No, I just I just never thought about mm-hmm. it like that. I think just like to go to your one point about like how a lot of us, or when I say a lot of us, I mean like a lot of Africans, mm-hmm tend to want to leave Africa as soon as possible because, you know, we have a lot of things going mm. on and wanting to get to Western countries. I do agree with you that some might be going because they think that, like, whatever is Western is better and they won't be able to progress here in Africa. Okay. But I also, if I'm being honest, I also think that some people just want to be able to, like, build wealth for themselves mm. and maybe in the, like, place that they're in, in, like, their specific country, they can't see that, mm. and, like, maybe opportunity in themselves, in which they they can further themselves, and so they take yeah. it. So, and so what they do is, like, they go, they build their wealth, and then they come back, and then they, like, invest, and they, like, build businesses, and, like, things like that. So, I think I, I do agree mm. with you in that I have become, well, I, I want to become, because you know what? If I'm being honest, it's not our fault that like Western culture was basically forced on us as like the ideal of what civilization yeah, is. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Of course, we are in our own civilizations, but we were told that what that wasn't um civil, that wasn't mm-hmm. right. Do you understand? And so messages like that that have been in great for how many hundreds of years since colonial times, since pre-colonial times, like slavery times. If that is the message that's been ingrained in you, it's not going to you. It even ten generations, it's not going to, it's not going to leave mm. just like that. We all subconsciously have a bit of like, um, like Afrophobia yeah. in us. Yeah, you understand as African. Yeah, what I'm saying. So I don't think. So I do think it's a real thing, but I don't think it's necessarily because people like are unaware or are consciously against Africanness. Yeah. Yeah. does that make sense I think even in daily things we'll consider certain things like oh that's so bush or like that's so like you know mm. but that's something that maybe like our parents and grandparents are doing and mm. it was <laughs> very much simple, don't you, you know? think
0: don't but you yeah. feel like um like I hear what you're saying about um obviously like I do understand and I do agree with the fact that you know Western ideals have been pushed like onto us as Africans from, like, post-colonial times and, you know, during, obviously, colonialism and, um, you know, slavery and stuff like that. But don't you think that – do you feel like sticking to that mentality instead of saying, um, now I'm just speaking solely on Africans, like, leaving or taking their skills outside of Africa um, rather than, I guess, putting it into African soil? Don't you think that our mindset should then not be encouraged for young Africans to rather stay in Africa and develop the land that the, that developed them? I do understand that a lot of Africans will try and leave Africa to, I guess, build their wealth and then bring it back into Africa. But I see a lot of Africans that don't ever have to leave the country in which they are in in order to bring wealth back into africa we're looking at you know one of the wealthiest men and women in the world are african people we're looking at aliko dangote we're looking at um uh, i think her name is folake she's also she's nigerian as well richest woman in africa she's a billionaire but none of these people had to leave africa in order to develop it they used the resources that their lands gave them and then they brought that right back into African soil so I don't know, do you think that in a sort of in a sort of like backwards way that like we have to like change our mindset as to thinking that we need to leave African soil in order for us to bring wealth back into it
1: Um. Hmm. I think it's very layered yeah. so I do agree with you in that like we especially us as us growing up now and recognizing like you know what we don't necessarily have to hate our Africanness. Mm. we don't like there's so much beauty in it this is who we are you know let's love it and i do agree with that like i think it is changing slowly but surely i just think that sometimes it's easy it's like much easier Mm. said than done if Mm. i'm being honest like you can be a proud, proud 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 african but then also acknowledge like there are some like political systems in place all over Africa that just won't allow you to succeed if you are not corrupt. And that's just me being it honest. Was... I'm not saying that like the whole of Africa yeah. is corrupt. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. At all. At all. Because I yeah. feel like you'll find corruption everywhere. There by Europe you'll find it. Everywhere. There by America you'll find it. They just, they just... I don't even think they mask it better. I think they just... They have it, but what we have, they'll call corruption and what they have, they'll say you know there's loopholes mm. and stuff like that so I honestly think it's the same mm. it's the same everywhere that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that like often especially if you're an, like African you have to have some sort of mm. connections mm. or like be really strong world and work and collaborate with other people other passionate mm. people in order to like really find success here and I'm not saying that I would discourage people from staying here. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think it's important. I'm just saying, don't underestimate how hard it is or how hard it might might be. And also, I think the other thing that we don't really consider is the fact that like, a lot of Africans, maybe they leave their specific country, but then they go to another African country and start their life there. That's still not investing in the country Mm -hmm. that made you, but now Mm -hmm. you're contributing to another country's economy, but you're still contributing yeah. to Africa yeah if that makes sense so I'm not I'm not gonna lie I feel like um so just in terms of like mm. that it's I think it is important and I do agree with you that it is important that we stay and we invest but I think also I don't want to fault people for not realizing that like them wanting to be successful mm. um, and I and if that means them um, immigrating mm. out of Africa, or immigrating, sorry, not immigrating mm. out, but them leaving, <laughs> them leaving um, might be like detrimental towards Africa. And when I say them, obviously we means we don't mean like one or yeah. two people. Obviously we mean like thousands of um, mm. Africans, right? But then also I think one thing we also underestimate is that like the diasporan efforts right now especially yeah. right now to like come back to africa and invest in it and buy properties and like just try and elevate it i feel like we are underestimating that mm. and i do also think like so basically i think that that's a major part of it um that we also need to consider yeah. but then also i'm not going to lie now also it is very difficult for Africans currently to be, like, at the forefront of changing, like, our current state. Not current states. I don't think, honestly, I don't think Africa is in as bad of a shape as we think it is, if I'm being honest. I think okay. we have growing economies on our country, like, I mean, country, ooh, continent continents. Now it sounds like Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Um, we have, like, a lot of growth happening right now. Um, Mm. I think one thing that is definitely stopping us are the Chinese no cap because
0: very scary
1: because they have like sort of and when I say the Chinese I mean like the Chinese government like political powers here. I'm not talking about so I think that a lot of the time it's like um, Africans need like an African country may need like aid or may need money to build certain infrastructure, the Chinese will mm. develop it, build it, but then bring their own people to build it. And then, so obviously it contributes co- positively to the economy because, I mean, the better modes of transport you have, you know, yeah. the better the economy. But, I mean, it's not providing any new jobs for the actual citizens. The, what you call, often the Chinese government is benefiting from all the revenue that's being made from, you know, all of that. And like paying back those loans, Sometimes paying back those loans is even worse. So, yeah. this is just like, I haven't even properly researched this thing because I know yeah. Chinese imperialism in Africa right now is a very real thing. I wish yeah. I had, I lucky wish I had just like gone over Google or something. Mm. But I think that's also something that we need to consider in how frustrating it must be as an African to want to start things in your country or want to start. Um, like being successful and contributing towards the country that like made you, but they're not being mm. able to because people are doing that for you, but not even in a way to contribute to the, towards the um, continent, but rather to take yeah. away from it.
0: You know? Take away from it, yeah.
1: Exactly. So it's like, that's also something that we have to think about. I think we also don't have to conflate like loving your culture. I mean, not not being part of your culture with not being with um like not wanting to stay in africa if that makes mm. sense you can be very That's proud Africans, but know that the conditions don't allow for you to stay i do think though if there's one thing i do think i don't think enough africans do enough research if in terms of like staying in your own country if mm-hmm. not staying in your own country i don't think enough africans do enough research on looking for other countries in africa to go yeah, I that's think true. The first, that's The true. first always just like, oh, let's go to Europe.
0: Let's oh, go let's go to- to- <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, but I, think with, I just think it really just goes back to the idea that I don't really think a lot of, like you were speaking about, um, Africans not doing enough research um, about moving to like another African country. I don't think a lot of people, often enough, as in you know the people I've spoken to at least think about moving to another African country. I think they always think about moving outside of Africa mm. because maybe I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's a mentality that I don't want to say all African countries are the same but like the struggle mm. that you're going to face in one African country you're also going to go face it in another African country like you're not running, you, it's not easy to um, I don't want to say run away from that struggle but it's not as easy to get away from that struggle that you're trying to get away from if you're just going to move to another African country. I'm not saying it's true but I think maybe that's, maybe a, that's yeah.
1: The conception, the preconception. Yeah. I
0: yeah. feel
1: you. I feel you. I agree. Mm,
0: but I was, I was watching a, a little clip by your president, your Ghanaian president. Oh. Um, <laughs> and was, I don't know <laughs> what conference it was really but um it was him and then it was the french president and
1: Mm -hmm. um oh i watched that video (laughs) video.
0: oh my goodness Mm -hmm. he spoke he is so like intelligent the way he speaks and in the way he um like addresses his ideas and opinions it's brilliant anyway um and he was basically speaking about how you know it is a good thing for like a country like france um to support African countries, like, for example, Ghana. And France will do what it can to support those um, countries with regards to aid. But it is not good for a country, especially, like, African countries, because Africa holds about at least, I think you were saying, like, at least 30% of the world's, like, resources or something like that. And it's not good for a continent like Africa, you know, that is so rich in resources, rich in mineral, rich in oils, and with one of like the youngest populations in the world, to depend so strongly on foreign countries to aid us financially. And when I when I watched that video, I think only now it's coming to me, um, about Ama Atai. I do I don't know if I'm saying that right, but she's also um Ghanian and she had a like an interview that I um like i only watched like a bit of the interview but one of her interviews from like 1980 something she was speaking about how um like we as Africans can't always depend on aid and how we can't live or build a sustainable economy a sustainable country out of like someone else's another country's pockets like you were speaking about China now and how like we are so like dependent on you know what they're giving to us um and I think that just ties back really when I think about that I think about how like it's not a bad thing for us to receive all the support and all this aid from other countries but I think when a country becomes dependent on another country to meet its needs then we are taking away from ourselves rather than giving back into the economy. Um, and I think Africa has like a lot of potential. We have a lot of potential in our people. We have a lot of potential in the resources in Africa. We have, you know, this great potential. But I don't know. I don't know what exactly it is that holds us back. And I'm not saying that Africans that leave, it's it's not. Africans that leave Africa, you know, that it's their fault or anything like that. But I'm just trying to think now about how um when you're speaking about China and like the aid that we receive from them, how like our country and our, even our continents can step away from receiving so much aid and what we actually have to do to put back into our economy, um, so that we're not so dependent on another country.
1: I think honestly, I feel like it will be a very long process, especially for Mm. certain countries. Because the thing is, remember, not all all countries at the end of the day, like every country in the whole world is in debt. Every Mm -hmm. country. Every country in the world is in debt. Mm. Obviously, like there's good debt and there's (laughs) bad debt.
0: There's very
1: bad debt. The thing is, I mean it's not like these other, the thing with, like, these other, um, uh, what do you call, Western countries, is that, like, they have very close ties with one another, and mm. so, like, they're very much willing to, like, trade um, finished goods for finished goods. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Whereas with with African countries, I'll sp- speak specifically only about African countries, because that's all I know. I don't want to talk about something that I don't know. Mm. But I think the case with African countries is not the same. We will most probably be in the situation where we are exchanging raw materials for aid or for, like, different things, if that makes sense. And obviously, we know yeah. that that's less valuable than finished goods, you know. Mm. But I think one of the major things is, I, I do agree with you, like, we can't always, like, we can't um, rely on aid as if we want to be thriving. Of course, we can't rely on the aid. But Mm. first of all, we need to get, like, I don't know, just uh, systems in place in the different countries, like, systems in place that, like, allow for less corruption, if I'm being honest. Like, I mean, um, I read somewhere that it's, like, in Africa, I think the um, least corrupt country in Africa, I think, I think it's mm-hmm. rwanda, and I think the way it is there's like no one the the culture like the bribery and corruption culture there is apparently very different from mm. you know our you know <laughs> south Africa <laughs> yeah. but i'm not saying I'm not saying South Africa's the worst, and i'm not saying I'm not saying that like Africa's the only place that has corruption i just i honestly feel like the Westerners just like shielded behind other things you know oh
0: definitely I just think definitely
1: that's all it is i don't mm-hmm. think it's like one is more corrupt than the other honestly mm. something, on it, mm. something on it but yeah. i think us getting off of requiring aid is going to take a very long time it's not going to take yeah. two years it's going to take a very long time because definitely. there are some economies currently running on aid if that mm. is like, yeah it's not it's not going to happen overnight. I know a lot of people also believe in like the pan African efforts, right? If we had to like join forces then we'd be unstoppable, you know. But I also think if it if I mean if we're also joining forces and getting each other's resources, we're also getting each other's problems, not gonna lie. Please. So I can understand the hesitation for a lot of people where it's like I don't want to have to collapse if my country currently is doing well and we are projected to do extremely well you know, within the next 20 years, why would mm. I now want to share a currency with a country that has got like crazy inflation rates there's no, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah, it makes sense you. why a lot of people don't see the like pan-African um like dream or just investing in Africa and staying in Africa and we can do this, mm. you know, as mm. realistic. Do you get what i'm saying mm. i'm not saying that. Yeah. i'm not saying it's unrealistic that 's not what i 'm saying i 'm just saying I can understand why people would see that as that
0: yeah and why they, there's a the hesitation
1: mm. Mm. I think a lot of us we don't know a lot about what's going on on our continent, in our country oh, definitely. we are so obsessed with American news and European news we know They're, mm. they're Alabama we know their laws better than we know our own laws <laughs> we like mm that it's not good to have like a good world view of like what's going on in the world but Mm. we really don't know anything and i'm very much including myself it's something that i definitely need to do more like i need to Mm, subscribe like south african news channels african news channels so i know what's going on in the continent because right now i could be talking nonsense like all of because i don't pay attention to what's going on on in my continent can you imagine yeah so, and if this is me who is privileged and has education, has access to education, to internet, all of electricity, all of these things, then mm-hmm. someone who has so many other things to deal with, do you get what I'm saying? And then as yeah. soon as you get the opportunity to leave, of course you're going to leave because the only thing you know about Africa is the like preconceptions everyone talks about. Yeah. Mm. So I feel like it's just, it's a very layered thing, you know?
0: Mm. no definitely it is very it is definitely very layered and yeah I think also our media is definitely flooded with like western culture or the news whatever's happening in usually countries like America and it's all about um, and we all know what's going on in America but like um, like you said I'm also particularly not well versed even in what's going on, on my continent, as much as I would like to, um, as much as I would have liked, what am I saying? As much as I would like to know, I don't know that much with regards to what's going on in my continent. And I think probably that's where it starts from. Maybe that's where um, as individuals we need to start. Maybe it's understanding what's going on in our own communities and then in our own nation and understanding what's going on, on our, continent and how we can contribute individually to like a better economy but um yeah i don't i wouldn't personally condemn anyone that decides to leave africa for um hopes of something better because sometimes Mm. you know the states that people are in in their own countries or in their own communities Um, it's very difficult and the only way that they can get a sense of like escape or try and build a life for themselves and their families is to actually like leave the continent but yeah definitely africa has a lot to still grow from we've been out of independence you know i mean a few decades but really like (laughs) we've been set back a lot we've been genuinely set back a lot and um Yeah, like you said, it's going to take a long time for us to get away from that dependence and to take back what is ours or whatever was meant for us. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I do agree. And I also think last, last, last thing. I think what you just (laughs) said in terms of like how we were set back a lot. And I think that's also something people don't recognize. Like America is how old? How long did mm. America take to become America? How long did it yeah. take to become the I mean, yeah. mm. Africa most African countries had to start again? Had to start mm. again. How I mean, I think that's also the other thing. We are using their measurements to like or we're using their set of standards to measure mm. our progress. Yeah, that's to not...
0: measure where we at, yeah.
1: We we can't measure African progress according to American standards. That's not it's not mm. going to work. Essentially, modern yeah. African progress, modern no, it's not going to work. And remember, most of these countries got to where they got to by exploiting how many other countries. It's not like right, Africa exactly. could be able to would, would be able to do mm. that now, and get a, like. Do you get what I'm saying? It it's I it's do, just not, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's might Mm. be saying something yeah
0: like for example yeah like you were saying oh sorry it's the fact that this is just you know um like for example like with france like countries like france for example are literally living like their wealth is built off other countries like france lives off countries like cameroon yep you know that's from colon- from colonialism they're literally living off of us. So yeah, like what you said, we cannot measure um another country's, you know, like Africa's progress by Western standards. We absolutely cannot. By the way, I also feel like the idea that other countries present to us of how of like the like for example like the American dream, I feel like it's it's all bogus and like countries like that are often very overrated in what they're selling. Um, I saw somewhere, like someone like described America like um, they said America is like a poor person wearing a Gucci belt. Do you get what I'm saying? And I feel like especially in this like, pandemic that we're going through, a lot is coming to light as to how even America is being set up. Um, I think well, even for some of us for a long time, I think for some people they've already seen America in the actual you know, mm. lights. you know, in, in the picture that they're actually ish. You know what I'm mm. saying? Um, mm, mm, mm. But I think for for me, this pandemic has really brought to light what America really is and the way it's actually set up and how, like, they scream to the rest of the world about, oh, freedom and independence and all these kind of, you know, Things that they sell to the rest of the world. Meanwhile, it's a struggle in that country. Like, they are not as... I don't want to say they're not as great as they say they are. But every country has its own struggle. And America Mm -hmm. is definitely struggling as much as... You know, in as much as they don't want us to think that it is a struggle at all. That every country, Mm -hmm. you know... That we shouldn't just look up to these Western countries to define you know, what our country should look like, because, you know, they're also going through their own things out there. Of course. Of course. Sure. Thanks. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you, sister. Thank you. <laughs> but then, in the same vein, um, it's not particularly the same vein, but um, just in line with that, how would you... Obviously, we are Africans, And, um, uh, I think the color of our skin has been a part of our history for a long time now. So in your definition, how would you describe or define blackness? And like, who do you think gets to decide whether or not a person is black enough?
1: Ah, (laughs) let me tell you okay (laughs) let me tell you you know what i even googled i googled the definition of what blackness is right
0: yeah
1: And one of the definitions i saw is like people of sub-saharan descent Mm sub-saharan african descent um i saw some other um definitions but they didn't really apply in this context obviously i will only speak about like blackness in terms of an African context and in my context, just in terms of being a non-South African in South Africa, mm. Um, mm. because of course American stuff, we all know about it, but let's just talk about what, you know, we are. <laughs> Firstly, yeah. I'm, gonna put, I'm just going to put it a, like a young thing. Just obviously, you know, the um, chat basically of like a lot of um, black people, specifically black girls, I'll say, but a lot of black guys as well. Where it's like, oh, people didn't see me as black enough because I spoke white or so I had white friends. Yo, yeah, like we yeah. really we really left that chat in 2014. If you still think that way, you can really go. Like <laughs> no one thinks that way anymore. Okay. So when we're talking about blackness, we're talking about much, much deeper things than mm. the way mm. you speak. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Definitely. So you know what? Nea? If I'm trying to see how my blackness was measured throughout my life. I think in primary school, I'll say in primary school, my I saw the like measure of blackness was like South African black. If you weren't South African black, it's really? like automatically you weren't black. And this is why I say it. Mm. So, okay, that's the the reason why I saw it is that is because I went I went to a predominantly black school, but there weren't a lot of at the time I, I was there. There weren't a lot of um, immigrants or immigrants' children at that school, so it was a predominantly mm-hmm. black school. But it was like everyone was represented, but it was a predominantly black school. And so mm-hmm. for me, the way I understood like the my um, connection and my in inter, interactions with other black people in my school was that. Mm-hmm a lot of people were very quick to um call say I wasn't black because you know those stereotypical things like, oh, you yeah. speak with a white person, you have white friends, that kind of thing. I was never, if I'm being honest, I was never fa- really faced by that. I was always very secure in my blackness. <laughs> like, it was very obvious <laughs> that I was black. Yeah, and also, yeah. I was very proud. I'm a very proud person. Like, I'm very proud of my heritage. I never hid that. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. So for me, it was never like, I I always understood it from that people were coming from a place of ignorance, because of course, we are in South Africa. So most Mm. of the people that people had been most of the black people that people in my primary school had been exposed to were obviously other South Africans. So they had not really at that point, had not really been exposed to other kinds of blackness, just other Africans, do you understand? And so, Mm for them, it came across like, oh, maybe I'm just trying to act black or whatever. I had black friends. I had mm. you know, like, it, it's not that obviously I'm not trying to sound like one of those people that's like, I have a black friend, therefore I'm not racist. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying <laughs> to say. I'm just saying that like it's not I think I was in in myself I was very um proud of my blackness, but at the same time, I was also very cautious of like not um of not being South African like I was very aware very very aware Mm, so mm. I knew I I knew I was a South African by birth I knew obviously grew up learning a lot about South Africa I am a South African but at the same time I'm very aware that I'm not South African yeah definitely I I came (laughs) from a very young age and I think the things that I look back on now and I realize oh that was a big mistake and it came Mm. from my own ignorance, was that, like, when I was younger, I definitely refrained from having friends that spoke Black languages in front of me, and Mm. the reason why I did that is because, not Black languages, I mean, well, when I say Black languages, I mean Black South African languages, the reason why, Mm. I I think at the time, my justification for that was, I didn't really want to feel left out, because obviously, it's very easy to feel left out if you don't understand the language and you're not sure if people are talking about you and you know you can always tell when people are talking about you whether you can understand yeah. what, I don't care what anyone says you can always see when people are talking about you or whatever and so for me I don't know why I came to the conclusion that people were talking about me I don't think I was mm. like oh. <laughs> but, I think it just
0: always felt like it to be
1: honest mm. Mm. but mm. I don't know why I think it came from a place of ignorance I'm not gonna lie though because mm. I mean you it, I think me as like a, a what do you call an immigrant child I felt very hyper visible but it really wasn't I think back now it really wasn't that deep like people weren't pointing out every second that oh you're not South African people mm-hmm. it wasn't something that came of conversation often so I don't know why I got the um, impression that I was so hyper visible and I needed to make sure that you know I think in my head at the time when I was like very um, sensitive to when like, if people were speaking their language, I would just be like, oh, please translate for me, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing of like, when people would speak their language, now I must leave or feel uncomfortable, this is their country mm. <laughs> I'm not say don't speak your language in front of me you, you get what I'm saying, yeah. I would just be like, selective of who, like, who I would stand with and make sure those were people who were willing to translate for me, or who I knew weren't talking about me, mm. since I felt so... For no reason. Yeah. And obviously that was dumb because now I wish I spoke as black South African language. I'm 20 and I don't <laughs> I've lived in South Africa for 20 years and I don't understand the Black South African language. And I did that to my own self. Yeah. but it's fine. So but I think you know what? I'm not even gonna lie, I think part of it also was the fact that like there was a part of me that felt like the more South African I became the more I would also lose my Ghanianness, Oof. and I think it came from a place of like, if I like behave like I'm a South African, I don't even know what that means. That's not even a thing. Mm-hmm. But like, it's like, oh, if I if I speak like a South African and I have South African friends and that makes me South African, but then it's like I am very proud of my heritage and you know people must know that. So I don't know mm. why at that time I couldn't understand that I could be both like I could be born and raised in South Africa learn South African languages be a South African but also be very proud of my heritage you know that kind of thing so I think now as I've grown up a lot of it was just ignorance on both sides because by the time I left primary school a lot of the people that assumed that like I was um, whitewashed or tried to be white or whatever Mm. we left having so much more like respect for each other Because I understood that it was just a place of, like, you maybe not have, you might have not been exposed to a lot of non-South Africans who are black Mm. and also proud of who are. So it was easy to label them something you already know, which is white people. And for me, I also had to understand that, like, not also not to group all South Africans into one um, group. Does that make sense? A lot of, like, do do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So I think that was my experience, like, leading up to, like, up to high school, so you can imagine my dismay when I come out of primary school feeling like all of this, and I'm so happy because now I'm getting out of my area, you know, all the people who went to my primary school lived in my area, so it was nice to go to high school, meet all different kinds of people, everyone told me that, oh, you know, this high school has, like, people from all backgrounds, you know, all kinds of backgrounds, people with money, people with money, people People who are black, white, Chinese, Indian, everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And I was so excited because me, I love culture. Yeah. Even though, because even though I was the person that like was hesitant to learn any black South African languages, I would be that person in class, Googling like Setswana history, like Zulu history. Like I'm very interested in cultures. Do you understand? I yeah. just like knowing, knowing other people's cultures and just like knowing different people. So I was very excited to go to high school meet all of these people then I get to high school and I'm like okay I'm gonna make friends all of this thing just for the same assumptions people had of me in primary school to follow me into high school Mm. so because I remember early high school probably like grade 8 early grade 9 even grade 10 a lot of people also assumed again that I was one of those people who was whitewashed because especially early grade 8 most of the people I hung out with were white, mm. you know. Um, I spoke to everyone, like I, sp- I would just speak to everyone because I was so excited to just be exposed to so many people, um, so many different kind of people, kinds of people, let me say. So I think it also took that like, uh, like time for people to also unlearn their like ignorance about me and like what I might be because I've never never hid my heritage, never been like, I'm very, very, very proud of who I am, mm. and like very, you know, in terms of being a Ghanaian, I've never, never shied away from it, do you understand? Mm. So I think people had to understand the concept of like, me being proudly black but then also not being South African black, mm. but then also me understanding that like, me not wanting to be associated like, or me not wanting to be uh, like South African was also very ignorant because it's like me assuming that like me being a South African automatically took away me being a Ghanaian right
0: yeah
1: Um, I feel like obviously so for me it got better (laughs) by the end of high school (laughs) Mm -hmm. but what I might say is that like a lot of the perceptions of like who gets to decide who is black especially in this context of like being in South Africa It really, Mm. it honestly depends on like your background and the people you're exposed to and how willing you are to talk to people who have those perceptions about you. I know it's not fair. Obviously, people are ignorant. It's not your job to educate them. It's not. But I think you also learn a lot about yourself and your ignorance um, when you engage in those kind of conversations. But I'm not going to lie. The one thing that I think deterred me a lot from... Uh, just fully, just express myself and like being proudly South African was mm. probably xenophobia. I'm not gonna lie. Like,
0: really? ooh,
1: very, <laughs> it it was there. Like, I'm not gonna lie and say it wasn't there. It at mm. the back of my head it was very much there. So yeah. I think that was my sort of fear is that like, and this only it this fear only started to set in maybe in like grade five. Six, but ever since then I've been very conscious of it because even though I've been very blessed not to have been like called out or like have had an actual like xenophobic attack against me mm. but I've been in like government institutions and so on and I'm a South African citizen I've been born and raised here but I'm still very much <laughs> mm. aware of like the xenophobia that takes place in like government institutions mm. I will not but yeah I think that's just where I stand in terms of like blackness and Mm. who can define blackness first of all I don't think anyone okay let me be careful because (laughs) I don't want to say I don't think anyone can define who blackness is because I think there's also the danger of like saying anyone can be black and then everyone wants to be black until it's, it's time to take black struggles to get what I'm saying so I'm not gonna say that oh you know Anyone can be the gatekeepers to be black. But I do want to say that, like, if you know, like, you are black or have black heritage, don't, I'm not going to say don't allow other people to tell you whether you're black or not, because it's very hard. (laughs) Very hard. So what I'm just going to say is that, like, honestly, you will never meet everyone's expectations and you will never be enough for everyone. So honestly, just live your best life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's my advice. Just own own who you are. Own who you are. Of course, you know. What, I'm not gonna lie. There are some situations where being who yourself will endanger you.
0: Oh, true. But Very true.
1: Um, go with cautious. Go with um caution. Hey, go with cautious. Wow, well, English <laughs> really like that. Um, but just like be yourself, and obviously with caution. <laughs> I wish it didn't have to be like that, but yeah, oh, that's it. We
0: We always. I think I'm going to have to agree with you on basically everything that you said because I can also relate to a lot of the things that you went through, especially in primary school. I've also been, I've always, and still to this very day, I'm very, very aware that um, I am not South African. Um, I wasn't born in this country, um, but I guess, yeah, I wasn't born in the country, but I got like citizenship by like naturalization so but still even even at that i grew up in this country which a lot of people would you know say i am a citizen of south africa but ever since (laughs) i've been little i've always been very 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 aware that i'm not south african i think yeah probably it probably did come from a place of ignorance but I don't know, maybe I wasn't even thinking, I don't think I was thinking about those kind of things when I was in primary school. Um, maybe it was, I think I could say it was the language barrier, the fact that I could not communicate with people in the same language that they were communicating in, which left, left me feeling like left out. Um, to a certain extent you know I can't like I don't know how to speak your language I don't know how to engage with you guys you know the way you would want me to because I don't know much about your culture and um, in primary school I think I connected a lot more with people that weren't South African at all my best friends in primary school were South African I think, um, yeah, one was from Ghana. The other one was from Congo. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like a subconscious thing for me to do to lean towards people that understood me or people that understood, you know, what I was going through. Not to say that I didn't communicate with South Africans at all. Like, that's definitely not not what I'm trying to say. But I did feel like non-South Africans understood me a lot more than South Africans did simply because of that mm-hmm. like barrier that I felt like we had yeah and um i don't know i think um i think also being an immigrant in south africa it's always made a way to me that in as much as you should try and be south african I'm also always reminded that although, you know, you're South African, you also need to remember that you are still very much so Nigerian. And I've had cases in which I, you know, run into family friends or speak to like elders or, you know, just my my parents' friends or anything like that. And they expect me to like know how to like speak (laughs) like Yoruba, for example. <clears throat> which I didn't grow up speaking I didn't grow up like learning how to speak cuz I was in an English school from primary school and I was always taught how to speak English but I'm always constantly reminded not to forget that I am Nigerian and I'm very proud of who I am I'm very very proud to be Nigerian I've never shied away from that even in primary school um but I think it was just like finding that sort of balance like when when am I like Nigerian enough? When am I like South African enough? And trying to, you know, remind myself that I can be both at the same time. You know, like you were speaking about it, that I definitely can be both um, at the same time. And I think I also experienced. I think when I got to high school, that experience was not as apparent a for me because I got to meet a lot of um a lot more diverse type of people because when I I was in primary school I went to like a predominantly black school so it was just like predominantly South African people and yeah there were quite a lot of immigrants in my school as well simply because I live in an area where there were a lot of immigrants Sunnyside and yeah so I think when I went to high school I got to meet a lot of people from different backgrounds and I was very excited to like meet those people because i would never seen so many white people all at once before so it made me very excited (laughs) it made me very excited to like meet white people that i hadn't engaged with throughout high school throughout like primary school and um yeah so high school taught me a lot of things it got me to meet a lot more diverse people and understand you know how other people interact within their own cultures. Um, yeah, how they got to interact within their own cultures and also just trying to understand my own identity as a South African and also my identity as a Nigerian and still being able to be very proudly, you know, South African, but also very proudly Nigerian. So I'm very grateful, very, very grateful to my high school experience, you know, that I got to... Of me and meet other people that got to understand my background and I get to understand other people's background and you know possibly let go of that little ignorance that I had when I was in um in primary school. But another thing that I'd like to lay up is that I asked my aunt the same question and I asked her how she would define like blackness. And how, um, or who rather, she thinks gets to decide whether or not a person is black enough. And what she had said to me was that she doesn't identify as black. And, oh, sorry, let me just say that again. She said that she doesn't identify as black, but she rather, like she identifies as a person. She says that she doesn't know what it means to be black, but she knows what it means to be African what it means to be Yoruba, um, but she doesn't know what it means to be a colour. Then she said that when she came to South Africa, she was confused when people um, said that she spoke like a white person. So uh, she came to South Africa at a much older age than I was. I think she only came to South Africa about 10 plus years ago. Um, But obviously she's way older than I am. So also her experience as an immigrant in South Africa is a lot different um, to my experience because I grew up here. But I thought her take on that question was a little, you know, a little different. Um, I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, uh, Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. I think she doesn't... (laughs) I don't know if she's trying to say she doesn't... um, want to be spoken about as though she is just a colour but rather as though is a person, you know what I'm saying? But before we get into that as well I just want to ask a question with regards to like deciding you know, whether or not a person is black enough. You know, people artists like, I don't know if you know Halsey Yeah, I do, and I, you, do. You, I, Logic know, I
1: know Halsey well. Yes
0: yeah, So yes. they are half black
1: um ha, ha, you're like, lying.
0: <laughs> I'm what? telling you, one of the pins, like
1: but sorry, color. I'm not I'm not trying to be offensive. I just didn't oh, no, no, no. They, okay? Fine. yeah.
0: But so I found out that like one of like they're both half black, but obviously they look very white, do you get what I'm saying? But in
1: mm-hmm.
0: society, society wouldn't call them their skin isn't dark enough, do you know what I'm saying? But if we look at art, artists like um I think Halle Berry is half black as well. I'm not 100% yeah black. she is. Oh, she's half black. She is. She so Hollywood or society if you want to call it that would uh, call her or define her as black because her skin is dark enough. But then wh- but then who is really to say? So are we are we then basing our black on how dark our skin is? And if we're doing that then does that mean that certain like I don't want to say perks of being black, but certain perks or whatever, um, of being black are you are then are they then excluded from you because like you're not dark enough to be considered black?
1: You know what this is why like honestly honestly race is so dumb like it's <laughs> so dumb as a concept it really is because and you know there's ne- just a lot i feel like i'm not even gonna lie i feel like it's a whole chat on its own yeah. but i feel like that's why it's so it's so dumb mm-hmm. because it's so fickle anyone i mean sometimes it's like okay your race is very different from your ethnicity right yeah but like my darkness like there are black people like black people people we consider black Mm. that have the same skin tone as some indian people Mm. there are black people who have the same skin tone as latinas and latinos latinx let me say latinx um and so the concept of race is dumb because Mm. your complexion doesn't have anything to well let me not say it doesn't have anything to do with your ethnicity, but it doesn't, like, it's not, it's not like all Africans are purple, Mm. or Asians are green, or, do do you understand, like, it it, it doesn't make sense as a concept, that's why, like, when you get situations where, like, you see with, um, you were saying Logic and Halsey, Mm. both of them are half black, but me, did you see, like, (laughs) the way I was shocked, Yeah. "Ah, but the thing is, I mean, you see, in a situation like that, who has the right to police their blackness? Yeah, you get what exactly, I'm saying?
0: exactly,
1: And so, I feel like... Oh, honestly, I don't want to say any more on it, because it's not an experience that I have, like, a lot of exposure mm-hmm. to. Mm.
0: Okay, no, that's fine. But then... And
1: I wouldn't... But in a situation like mm-hmm. that, like, if I was speaking too logic, too logic, mm. or too healthy... Mm. I'd be like, you know what, you are half black, that is half of your um, heritage, mm. so own it. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, it can be like, you You are half black, you own your heritage and everything, but at the same time, you do get the privilege of being white passing. It is a privilege, mm. whether you like it or not. Mm. So there are a lot of things that you will be able HMBA. to, like, get. Yeah. You will, like, there are a lot of things mm. in society, it, there are a lot of things that you won't have to deal with yeah. because of your because skin tone. Right? Skin obviously, you never, you never ask for your skin tone to be light. Obviously. Mm.
0: Um. So my last point that I just want to tie in, or just um, I just want to go back to what my aunt said about her not being able to identify as black or identify as a color. Mm-hmm. And the only thing she knows is to identify as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is exclusive to her experience, and I can't speak extensively on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I think... I think... I feel like for me, blackness has been... Or being black, or the idea of being black, or the idea of what um, being black in my community or society means for me has already been like engraved into my identity from like from young um the fact that when I speak with a certain accent I'll be cold I'll be like um I'll ugh, people will say like oh you sound like a white girl for example or if I speak um in with a certain lingo then I'm whitewashed or if I don't speak a certain way then like my blackness is um <laughs> what's the word um, questioned, then my blackness is questioned so I don't exactly I'm not going to lie I don't exactly know how I would define blackness for me, but I think um, from other people's perspectives of how other people um, define blackness then they question my blackness based off their own definition of it do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this context, I wouldn't know how I would define, um, yeah, I don't know how I would personally, you know, define my blackness. Cause I think partially I can agree with what she spoke about being able to identify as an African or knowing what it means to be African and knowing what it means to be Yoruba, because I know what it means for me to be flourished. And I know what it means for me to be, um, African. I know what it means for me to be, um, Nigerian or Yoruba, I know what that means for me, but, um, the concept of being black is consistently, like, almost, like, questioned in society, or, like, changed a little bit, or, um, there's just, like, a definition being, you know, floated around, so I don't know how to describe or define that for myself, um, yeah, I don't know how to completely define that for myself, but I will say, that I don't think there's a single entity or a single um, institution that gets to decide, you know, whether or not you are black enough. Obviously, the concept of race does not make sense. Um, But we live in a time where race is a thing and it's not not something that we can run away from. Um, It's something that's going to be held onto us and our children probably for generations to come because, you know, obviously of our history. But, yeah, I don't think there's anyone that decides whether or not someone is black enough. I really don't think, you know, there's anyone to decide on that because race is a concept based off the colour of someone's skin. But, like you said, Indian people or is it like black people could look Indian, um, but then who's to say that they are... um, indian and not black just because of the way this they, the, the color of their skin looks um but yeah definitely that is a whole other chat on its own but my final thought will definitely be that i don't think anyone has the decision or the right to define how black someone is or whether someone is black enough or not or african enough even or not um just based off my experience but i'd definitely like love to hear someone else's perspective on it and um yeah and yeah i, I can't define blackness for myself at this point <laughs> um
1: lol i just have one question
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just have one question yeah do you want there to be a post-racial society
0: what do you mean Oh where, like race is not
1: I think, yeah.
0: I, th- I would definitely love that to... Oh yes, that's a different chat. But I definitely love to have a post-race society. I actually heard some. Um, apparently there is a statistic or something going out, um, going around saying that, um, apparently in, like a few generations down the line, um. I think half the world or most of the world is going to be mixed, so you can't then say, "Oh, I'm purely black or I'm purely white." Do you know what I'm saying? But I definitely do look f- forward. I would, yeah, I do look forward to a time where the color of your skin does not define you, or how intelligent you are, or how successful you can be, or um, you know, yeah, I I, I would. I would definitely love a post post racial society.
1: Now you see it <laughs> <laughs>
0: because
1: I I disagree totally. Really? Totally. Okay. I I disagree totally. Because even though race is so dumb, I definitely mm. agree race is very dumb. But at the same time it's there, it exists. It's very mm. much tied to a lot of other identities. For me, like, being a black girl, mm. a Ghanaian girl, a... Do you understand? These are mm. all things that I can as part of my identity. This is just mm. me. Obviously, mm. it's very different for everyone else. So, for me, I'm not going to say I'm defined by my blackness, but my experience is definitely defined by my blackness. The way I move in the world is definitely yeah. defined by blackness. There's no way, like, I experience life the same way a white person will. There's just no way. Do you get what I'm mm. saying? So, for me, my identity is very important to me because it navigates the way in which I move in the world. Of course, mm. I'm not going to... I'm not saying that, like, for me, internally, it serves as a limitation. Like, I tell myself, there's no way I'll be able to make it because I'm a yeah. black person. That's yeah. not know what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, I appreciate my identity and what it means for me mm. and... I appreciate that like everyone is different if that makes sense. I appreciate Mm -hmm. everyone's differences. And so for me a post-racial society wouldn't necessarily mean that like everyone looks the same because even if everyone looked the same because I mean Mm. race doesn't have a look. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like it's not necessarily that everyone would look the same. It's just I, I think one thing that like I appreciate a lot is the fact that like people have attachment to culture to Mm. ethnicity to groups do you understand and so Mm. for me a racial society means that like people have lost in touch with that thing that makes them different because Mm. everyone must be considered the same and you can be considered equal to know you're different Mm. and that's why i don't i don't like the idea of like everyone wanting to be the same how boring would it be if all of us were the same yeah that's so Um, no no
0: no 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 i don't okay i don't i don't think a post-racial society should be where everyone looks the same i think it should just be a society where race hmm?
1: No, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a society where everyone looks the same. Yeah. It's like a society where like everyone thinks that we've transcended race. Like there doesn't need to be a difference in like the races. Everyone is just mm. a person. That's fine. Would like a lot of people would want, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like mm-hmm. I don't mind the identities that I have because Yeah. not because I don't mind it. It is who I am. Mm.
0: It definitely is. It definitely is who you are. But I feel like, okay, and just to clearly define what, in my head, um, is a post racial society. It's literally just a society where, obviously, like race is no longer, um, uh, I don't know, race doesn't entirely define your yeah, like you said, we've sort of transcended race, um, that would be a pr- pretty ideal society. But I feel like there are so many stereotypes already attached to um, your race. There's so much attached to what the color of your skin looks like that I feel like if we were able to look past that and really just accept the fact that Yeah, you have darker skin or you've got lighter skin or you've got medium colored or coffee colored skin that you know that wouldn't be such i don't want the color of my skin to be the most important thing thing about me i don't want the color of my skin to be like the biggest part of my identity i don't personally i I don't feel like the color of my skin should ever be what truly identifies or truly like um uh, yeah like truly identifies who i am and so in today's society i would probably be seen as a black person before i'm seen as anything else but Mm -hmm. i feel like if it were a post-racial society then the color of my skin is not the first thing that is looked at um especially because of all the stereotypes that are attached to being black or all the stereotypes that are attached to being just a person of color, whether you're Indian or anything else. There's just so much attached to a color that I don't want that to be what like defines me. And for me, that's why but I... But I, I do respect your, um, your opinion on it. And it's fine. We can, get, we can have different opinions.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I think after hearing like your definition of what a post racial society means, I do agree with that in that, like, the color of your skin doesn't determine how you are treated. That's yeah. not what I mean. I just mean that, like, I don't want it to be- get to a point where people don't feel like they need to be different or can mm. be different. Mm. That's, that's my thing is that, like, I don't want well, I wouldn't want it to get to a point where, like, your skin colour doesn't, like, I don't know, where your, where everyone wants to uh, ignore, I, I, I don't know how to say this without making mm. it seem like I want people to be oppressed with, uh, because of their skin colour. That's not what I want. I yeah. would want people to know that your skin color is different so not ignore it or yeah uh, skin color when i say racial post-racial society i just mean like Mm -hmm. everything features um Mm -hmm. culture so i mean like your skin color everyone can acknowledge that it's different but not treat you differently because of it Mm. do you understand Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. my yeah i think Mm -hmm. we are saying the same thing in that like your skin color doesn't determine the way you are treated in the world and people don't, you know. Yeah. Um but my thing is just that people can be different. That that would be my ideal society. Yeah, is that people can be different yeah. and still be treated the same. You yeah. get what I saying. We don't all need yeah. uniform to be treated the same. Mm,
0: I like it. Yeah. But I think I do I do really appreciate the people out there you know people like on social media and stuff that are promoting like difference or you know how like there's this like wave of like black acceptance you know like accepting our dark skin and um accepting like our hair and the textures you know and uh how now like you know i guess there's this uh, this bigger wave of you know, black people accepting you know the features that we were born with, including yeah. our skin color. I really do. Ac- I really do appreciate the fact that we're going into as a as a society. Yo, did you oh. see us? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that a society, like we, oh. Oh, sorry? I,
1: no, sorry. I was trying to remember what the s s sounds are. Anyways, continue. Oh. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I'm. I'm grateful that as a society we are going down that path of acceptance. And by society, I'm speaking of us as like, black people. I'm not trying to exclude people, but you know, obviously, I'm trying yeah. to speak from my own experience. Thanks. Um. So I'm glad that we are going down that path. So hopefully, by the time it reaches like gen a generation, even after us that the struggle of acceptance of your features is not as difficult as it was for us Mm. Um, because then now we are more accepting of who we are and we're not waiting for someone else to tell us that our skin is beautiful or that our hair texture is great or um, that we can be successful um, or even as women that you can do both, you know, um, or you can, do it all in fact so that our children don't have to struggle as much as we did so definitely there's a lot of people that are you know promoting that wave and promoting that movement of accepting us the color of our skin and accepting you know features that you know probably um a few years or a couple years back then weren't as accepted as they are now and even With regards to that, even people that are promoting um like different body sizes and you know, there's just like a big movement of people just accepting who they are in this day and age, and I think it's very beautiful and it's very important for how the next generation is gonna turn out after us.
1: Yeah, no, I do agree. I agree. I also really like it. Um Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, it's important. It's important.
0: Yeah, definitely important. Yeah. Okay, do you have
1: any final thoughts on anything we spoke about today? Anything, oh, my anything? final thoughts. My final thoughts are just <laughs> that like, no one can police your blackness. Oh, okay, mm. let me. With an asterisk, I'll put an asterisk there, but <laughs> not in all cases. Okay. Also. Uh, that being African and like being proud of being African is very layered and it's okay to have complex feelings about being like wanting to stay in Africa and Mm. I would just encourage everyone and including myself I'm gonna go do it now to just like (laughs) start taking an interest in like your continent not by force but just like Open your eyes, if that makes like realize that there's a lot more to like what's going on around you than what's being fed to you in like American news. Mm. You know, mm. those are just my thoughts.
0: Yeah, um, hundred percent agree with that. Hundred hundred percent agree with that. And I think um, what I would add to it is, uh. Definitely as young Africans, we do need to educate ourselves a lot more, um, like you said, Louisa, on what is going on on our own continent so that we are more well-versed on how to approach, like whether it's our careers or more well-versed on how to approach politics within Africa and, um, you know, what steps we are going to take as youth, to move Africa forward um and then also just with regards to blackness um yeah you can be both you can be both (laughs) I think I'm speaking more to myself (laughs) at this point um that yeah no (laughs) I'm
1: here I'm here
0: (laughs) no 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 (laughs) I'm just saying that um yeah like you can be both you can be both um, an immigrant, and you can be both, you know, and you can be a South African as well, and uh, you can define that however you, however that works for you, and however that works for your experience, and for, you know, your work, your walk and journey um, in life, but yeah, if anyone can just define blackness, actually, I should probably just like search it up, what how other people would define blackness, but I'd definitely love to know. But yeah, that's my final thought. You can definitely be both an immigrant and South African. And however you define that for yourself and however you define that for your journey and your walk in life is up to you, obviously, um, because all our experiences and um, our perceptions and all our opinions are very different. Um, Similar, probably depending on the individuals, but you know, um, different in and of itself. So I think uh, that is even for me something I need to go back on and probably think a lot more on and um, define that more for myself um, and for my and see how how does that link to my identity and um, how I define myself. But yeah, that's it for our first episode. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and yeah well, we hope you, we got you guys thinking a little more um on these topics if you guys would like to add anything to the conversation please do hit us up on our socials we'd love to hear from you guys we'd love to hear what your opinions on these are and we hope um to catch you in our next episode <music>